Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, October 23rd, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Man on a Mission, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Where are you in relationship to God? Are you in right standing before him from the faith that was given to you by the grace of God? Where is your brother, that person on your left and your right? Are you there to encourage them and build them up, to glorify God, that brother and sister, the one that God gave you? You see, it is God's plan which is the result of a genuine faith that you would grow and abound in hope when you live by his plan and to his glory. This morning, we really come to the beginning of the end of our study in the letter of Romans. Uh, The church in Rome was an interesting church. Paul had never been there before, and then you can see through his writing in the beginning of the book, and even as we come to the end of the letter, uh, he really wants to go hang out with these people. There's something special about them. He says these, he's heard about their faith from all over the world and he would love to go experience uh, their brotherhood and be with the church for a while, experience the grace uh, and just the wonderful community that they had developed there at the church in Rome. And he kind of just goes on and on and on and on. And, and oftentimes Paul does this at the end of a letter. Uh, but this morning we see it's the longest goodbye of any letter that the apostle Paul ever wrote. Um, I heard recently from my, my buddy, Pastor Brendan, there's such a thing uh, known as the Minnesota goodbye, which I haven't, hadn't heard of this before, but he said the Minnesota goodbye is where you have dinner, uh, and then after dinner, you, you maybe hang out in the living room for a while, and you start saying goodbye there, and, and on your way out, you stop in the kitchen, and you talk for a couple more hours trying to say goodbye, uh, and then you eat a whole cake, like the whole thing as you're trying to say goodbye, and Uh, And you finally make your way outside, but now it's gotten cold and the weather's been bad, so you decide to just stay another night as a part of your goodbye. Uh, And then the next morning, at some point after lunch, um, everyone's finally in their car, where you talk awkwardly out the windows for a little longer. Uh, And then this is why people never leave Minnesota, because they always just stay until they hear about Scottsdale, and they're like, there's a place with weather like this, and then they all eventually come here. So that's the, uh, the Minnesota goodbye is eventually you leave and then you end up in Scottsdale. Uh, maybe you've experienced it like this. I experienced long goodbyes with my wife when we were dating. Um, we'd go out on a date and I'd drop her off at home and then we would end up talking for like an hour just trying to say goodbye and then you'd give each other a goodnight kiss and then you'd say goodbye for another hour and it was just this elongated thing where like someone just needs to say goodbye and move on with this thing or you're on the phone and okay I love you honey have a great okay you hang up no you hang up no you hang up and then someone hangs up and then they call back and I can't believe you hung up and then it's like that's kind of the vibe I get from the end of the book of Romans and I know it's different because this is the word of God um, and I know it's not the same as that but it is a really really long goodbye And what we see is when you love someone, you have a lot to say, and Paul really loves this church, so he's got a lot to say as he says this long goodbye. Um, Typically, I'd like to read the whole passage and then pray before we hop into it. Uh, It took took me about like four and a half minutes just to read through this at a pace where we could uh, keep in step with one another. So um, this morning, I'd still like to pray together before we hop in, uh, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us. So let's bow our heads in prayer once more. 
God, there's something refreshing about silence. Something refreshing about stillness or just being able to sit and wait on you. Wait to hear your still small voice. God, we pray that we'd hear that this morning in our life. God, we pray this morning you'd open our eyes that we would see things in the text we haven't seen before. You'd open our eyes so we would see things in our life we haven't seen or things in the the lives of people around us. Needs we might need to meet for them, to care for them, to love them, to serve them. And that you'd also help us do it. God, open our minds this morning so we can know you, not just know about you or be able to quote some Bible facts or Bible trivia or even quote some Bible verses. God, we know, we wanna know about you, but more so we wanna know you. So this morning, would you open our minds so we can do that? Open our ears to hear you. God, if there's areas in our life where we're just off, would you speak those to us this morning? Would you give us ears to hear? And God, even more, we ask you to open our hearts, that you'd give us hearts to respond in love, love for you and love for your people, that it would show in everything we say and everything we do. Most of all, God, we pray this morning, you'd be glorified by everything we say, everything we sing, and everything we do. God, we love you. It's in your son's precious name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. You'll see in your outline this morning, you have three main points. Those are really three main points of structure to get us through the passage to make sense of this really long goodbye. And then you should have two points of application as well. Those are really two big themes we see traced all the way through this passage and how we can apply that to our life. So the first main point comes from verses 14 through 22, and we see Paul's present ministry and reasons to be proud. Paul's present ministry and reasons to be proud. Essentially, here's what we have in this passage. Paul says, here's what I've been up to in the first section. In the second section, he says, here's what I'd like to go be up to. And then the third section is him saying, and also, can y'all pray for me as I try to go do these things? Here's what I'm up to. Here's what I'd like to go be up to. Will you pray for me as I'm ministering to people? Beginning in verse 14, Apostle Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. That's a unique compliment that Paul makes to this church. Uh, most churches, there's something, but I have this against you there, but there's this one thing. There's, uh, he's currently writing this from the church in Corinth, the Corinthians. If you recall the Corinthians, that was a pretty interesting, weird church with a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, he was not satisfied with what was going on in that church. But here in the church of Rome, he says, I'm satisfied about you. I'm satisfied. That's why he wants to go and be with them. What's he satisfied about? He says, you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another, full of goodness. What does that mean? It's not just like, there's a good guys over there and good girls, just a good church. Um, good here is, is their faith, their walk with Jesus that expresses itself in moral goodness. It's the outworking of their faith in their life. If you look at James chapter two, it's that whole faith without works is dead. Their goodness here is the moral outworking of their faith. It's not just their faith, but it's also their works. They are full of good works. They're also filled with all knowledge. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean they're filled with all knowledge about everything. No one knows everything about everything except for God. So Paul can't be complimenting this church that you all are omniscient. You know everything. You know everything. That can't be what he's saying. So what does he mean? Filled with all knowledge. It means they know God. They know God. They know him, they have a relationship with him, they follow him, they walk with him, they do what he says. And it's interesting, he says, and you're able to instruct one another. What made them able to instruct one another? Both of those two things previously. They're walking with the Lord and they know the Lord. 
uh, which are two things we need to be able to instruct one another. I'm not sure if you ever feel this way. You, you feel like, man, I'd, I'd like to help, but I'm not quite sure I'm able. Like, I, 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 don't, I, I, would, I, I wanna help them understand, but I don't know quite enough. I'm, and the, the, I mean, there's this other mature believer, and like, I walk with Jesus, but when I look at their life, like, they really walk with Jesus. Like, I love Jesus, but they really love Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm nowhere close to them. It's that kind of person who's able to instruct. But me, I'm just not there yet. I'm not that mature yet. But friends, here's the deal. If you are filled with goodness, if you know the Lord, walk with the Lord, and God has placed his spirit in you, and you know the Lord, congratulations, you are able to instruct. You are able to bring someone under your wing and help them understand the Lord and help them follow the Lord. You don't gotta know everything. You don't gotta be so much farther down the road to instruct someone. It's gotta be filled with goodness. You gotta know and follow the Lord. Little tidbit of truth he gives us right there. Verse 15, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Now, by raise of hands, who has felt like all of the points of Romans have just been bold reminders? Right, like what do you mean, Paul? On some points, like which one of these we're not supposed to feel bold? This whole letter feels like a lot of bold things the apostle Paul is bringing to this church. Which points he means, we're not totally sure. On some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. Um, This is not a grace that saves, this is a grace that serves. See, God saves us, and then he also gifts us with the ability to serve him and serve the people around us. First, Paul was given the grace to be saved. Now he's been given the grace to go and serve. Specifically, we see what he is serving in verse 16, to be a minister that's a servant of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. A Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew. This is the group of people that God called the Apostle Paul to go and reach. This is the mission that he was on to go reach, to help people find and follow Jesus who were not Jewish. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that by the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? He calls himself uh, as a part of the priestly service. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you follow Jesus, you are a member of a royal priesthood. That's what God calls us. First Peter chapter two, verses nine and 10, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That's who we are, those who follow Christ. We are members of a royal priesthood, a holy nation and people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, when I think priest, um, I think of like guy with a robe, right? Always has the theme song of the video game Halo playing behind him. That's kind of like, oh. That's what I think. Priest, that's what we're supposed to be a part of? I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. What does this have to do with anything? Member of a, a, a priestly member of, of his family, I don't understand. If you rewind to the Old Testament, there's three big offices you see in the Old Testament. You have prophets, you have priests, and you have kings. Kings were the rulers. They oversaw everything. Prophets were the ones who represented God down to man. Priests were the one who represented people to God. So now he says, we are members of this royal priesthood. We are priests given the duty, the mission to help people find, bring them to Jesus and follow Jesus, offer them to him as a sacrifice. Tim referenced Romans chapter 12 early, our spiritual act of worship. We sacrifice ourselves for him. 
And this isn't a physical, like we die physically. We, we die to self. We pick up our cross. We daily follow him. We offer our lives to be used by him. We just sang this, didn't we? Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. That's a bold song lyric to sing, isn't it? Make me whatever you want me to be. That's our act of bringing ourselves to him. But here he calls us to bring other people to him. That's what he says. He's bringing the Gentiles. The Gentiles are an offering that they'd be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This really speaks of discipleship. It speaks of discipleship, helping people find Jesus and following Jesus. It, uh, here within the church, we talk about discipleship as this, as a relationship that intentionally multiplies Christ-like followers. I know that's a lot. Let me break it down real quick. It's a relationship. We see this in this text. Paul had relationships with the people in these churches. Fast forward a couple weeks, we're going to see Paul list out like 30 names of people he had relationships with. Discipleship is a relationship that intentionally multiplies. Let's talk about intentional. You look through this plan, Paul says, man, here's what I've been up to. It's been intentional. Here's where I plan to go to. It's been intentional. And I need you to pray for me to be able to do it intentionally. Will you pray for me? Discipleship is a relationship that intentionally multiplies. We take people, we help them find Jesus and follow Jesus. We help them lay down their life as an offering unto the Lord so that they would do things and say things like make me an offering so they would help other people come and lay down their lives that they would follow the Lord. It's multiplication. It's, it's the um, original multi-level marketing scheme, right? It's, it's, it sounds like a pyramid scheme. It is. It's a pyramid scheme for people to come to Jesus. That's what it is. It starts with one guy, one lady, who intentionally pours their life into other people, who then intentionally pour their life into other people, who intentionally pour their life into other people, and before long, you are intentionally multiplying Christ-like followers. We are bringing a lot of people to find and follow Jesus. This was Paul's mission. He was a man on a mission. Verse 17, he says, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Well, hold on a second. I thought we weren't supposed to boast. I thought we weren't supposed to be prideful. Romans 12, verse three said, let no one think too highly of himself. So what's he talking about? He has reason to be proud. He has reasons to brag. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, Paul says this, if we boast, we boast in the Lord. He says, when I look at my life and my sincere desire to be on mission and do the things that God has called me to do, he has seen lives transformed. He's had people find Jesus and follow Jesus. He's seen the change in life that can happen when you truly come into a saving relationship with the Lord. And he says, when I see that change in people's lives, I have so many reasons to boast. So it's not because of me, not because of what I've done, not because missionary Paul was able to do all these things, but because of what Christ has accomplished through him. That's what he says in verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. How much would that change the way we talk? If we were to say that statement, you know, I'm just not gonna speak of anything unless it's of what Christ has done through my life. How different would our socials look, our Instagram, our TikToks, our Facebooks, our tweets? the conversations we have with one another, the texts, the emails, if we made a decision that, you know what, when I speak, I'm gonna speak of what Christ is doing in my life. I'm gonna speak of what I see Christ doing in the lives around me. Change everything. 
He says he'll only speak of what God is doing in the lives of the Gentiles and as he brings them to obedience. And he lists a few different ways that God has done this. He said God did this by word and deed, through his preaching, through his teaching, through his life and his practice, through what he taught, but also through the way he lived. The Holy Spirit used that in such a way that it brought people to obedience, not just doing, but a faith in Christ that led to a doing for Christ. Faith and their works, all because of what the Holy Spirit has done in their life. Verse 19, he said that God brought the Gentiles to obedience. Verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders, by miracles, like God just blew their minds that they saw it and they were like, that doesn't make sense without God. And finally, by the power of the Spirit of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, anytime someone's life is transformed and changed, That's why. It's by the power of the Spirit of God. It's by the power of the Spirit of God. It's not by someone's ability to turn a phrase the right way. It's not by a pastor's ability to have an an engaging, opening introduction that sucks people in to want to listen. That doesn't change hearts. Might people like you, might make people like you, but it doesn't change anything. It's not an art ability to have all of the answers, to know the right things to say and when to say them. If someone's life is changed and transformed, it's by the power of the Spirit of God. And when we see that, we have all the reason to boast because Christ has done something amazing. That's why we boast. We boast in the work that God has done. He says, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I have done the things that God has called him to do. Verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never heard, those who have never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. In other words, the reason I haven't been able to make it to Rome yet is because I've been busy going to all of these places that have never heard the word of the name Jesus, who have never heard the good news, who have never heard the gospel going to places that are unchurched. I'm going to unreached people groups. Um, current statistics, there's a, a, a kind of normal terms we use today within the church and, and um, missions work across the world, this unreached people group. It's a group of people who has no uh, real influence from Christ. Haven't heard the gospel, um, no real Christian influence around them, no gospel culture, no Christian culture, just unreached, unreached people groups. Current statistics is that 42% of the world's population fall into that category of unreached people group. 42% of the world lives in a culture, in a context, in a society that does not know Jesus. I was able to be a part of a a first grade job fair this week. It was was as riveting as you can imagine. it was fun. I'm glad I got to be a part of it. I've been a part of these for a couple of times now, and it's, it's fun to go in and hear the crazy questions that kids will ask. Um, normally, it's just a panel of a handful of people. Uh, last time I was on it, there was like a firefighter uh, and a police officer. There was like a ninja, and there was me. <laughs> Guess who doesn't ever get asked any questions when we do these things? It's me. I think my job's pretty cool. But next to a ninja, I mean, that's really cool, right? So I don't, don't get a lot of action when we do this. But this time, um, they had a bunch of tables set up in the gymnasium, and there was a ministry table. 
And at the ministry table, there was me, who didn't get the memo that I was supposed to bring snacks and toys to bribe the kids to ask me questions. And there was uh, um, my, uh, my friend Tara, who's a, a missionary. She travels the world, and she had brought like all of these cool different clothing that she wears when she goes to different places and talked about how we become all things to all people by any means that, that we might save some. So we become like them to reach them. Um, and then another lady that I met who does campus mission stuff uh, at Arizona State. And she was asking the kids questions. Uh, she was asking this one little boy, a first grade boy, this question. She said, you know, where do you think, where do you, think you might need to go to, to tell someone about Jesus who's never heard about Jesus before? And his mind was blown. Like there's people in the world who don't know who Jesus is. Where do you think you might have to go? And he stopped for a little while and I could tell he was thinking to himself. And I thought he was thinking like, just give me candy. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and then finally he stopped and said, maybe... Um, Maybe China? And she said, wow. I think you're right. There's probably a lot of people in China who need to hear the good news of Jesus. She said, you know who else in your life probably hasn't heard the gospel, who hasn't been reached by Jesus? He said, who? Probably the boys on your sports team. Maybe some of your friends in your neighborhood. And his eyes were like, whew biggest saucers. Couldn't believe there's people in his life who don't know the Lord, haven't followed Jesus. I think when Christ talks about childlike faith, I think that we're supposed to have. Those eyes that are like, man, there's people around me who don't know the Lord. There's people on my teams. There's people in my workplace. There's people in my classes. There's people in my neighborhood. There's servers at my favorite restaurant. There's guys I play golf with. There's people I see at the gym. There's all these different people in my life who haven't heard the gospel of Jesus, who don't follow him. Paul was a man on a mission to go and reach those people. We're men and women on mission who are meant to go and reach those same people as well. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 say this. It's the great... Commission And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, go here. It's not just like leave exactly what you're doing and go to a distant country. It might mean that. I believe 100% in global missions. This is not a knock on global missions. Um, but the words here, go therefore, uh, in the Greek really render out to like, as you are going, as you are living your life, make disciples. As you live your life in 85255 or 266 or 260 or 032 or 050 or whatever part of the valley you live in, as you are going, as you are living your life, make disciples, intentionally multiply Christ-like followers through relationships of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Paul was a man on a mission to help people find and follow Jesus. It's the same mission that Christ has sent us on. As well. Verses 23 through 29, they give us the second section, and we'll cover this one a bit quicker. This outlines Paul's future ministry plans. Paul's future ministry plans. He's told us, here's what I've been up to. Now he's going to tell us, here's what I hope to go do. Here's what I'd like to be up to. Beginning in verse 23, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, I have accomplished the work that God's called me to do. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, this is the church in Rome, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And to be helped out on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul was serious about discipleship. You can see how intentional he is in this. He says, I'd like someday to get to Spain, but first I'm going to come to you. And while I'm there, I'd like to be helped by you. 
In other words, we need to partner on this whole thing. He's asking for, for financial support so he can someday get to Spain and bring the gospel to Spain. Church history, by the way, uh, the records are pretty sketchy if he ever actually made it to Spain or not. Verse 25, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. So he says, I, I hope to get to Spain by way of Rome, but first, I'm traveling 1,000 miles backwards to get to Jerusalem. Now, at face value, we think, cool, he just wants to go to Jerusalem. Uh, but he has some, uh, some history with Jerusalem. If you remember who Paul was before he was uh, an apostle, before he was a priest, before he was a, a world missionary, he was a persecutor of the church. And his main stay persecuting the church was in the areas around Jerusalem. So Paul is saying here, I am going to go back to the place uh, where I might have some beef with the people who were there. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul had this do whatever it takes mentality when it came to getting the gospel out around the world. Willing to go anywhere, willing to do anything so that people could hear the name of Jesus. I wonder if that's true of my life. I wonder if you'd think it's true of your life. Are we willing to do whatever it takes? First Corinthians, where Paul says, I'll become all things to all people by any means necessary that some of them might be saved. Willing to go anywhere. Willing to go do anything. If it means people might find or follow Jesus, Paul was all in. That's his mission. That's his ministry plan. Go to places where he continue, can continue helping people find and follow Christ. It's his mission. It's our mission as well. The third thing we see, verses 30 through 33, is Paul's prayer request. Paul's prayer request. Let me say this real quick before we hop into this. If the apostle Paul, the greatest missionary of all time, was willing to ask people to pray for him, I think we should be willing to ask people to pray for us as well. Okay, somehow I, I feel like it, I, I don't want to bother people, right? Like I don't want to burden them with my prayer requests. I don't want to like bring my issues to them. But if I flip the script, if someone comes to me and says, hey, could you pray for me? I'd, lo I'd love to pray for you. You know, I don't want to bother you. You're not bothering me. Like the Lord calls us to pray for each other, pray without ceasing, pray like without ceasing for the saints. Like I, I want to pray. That's what God calls us to do. I want to pray for you. But for some reason, when like, I'm struggling with my own stuff or got something hard going on, I don't want to bug people. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to burden them. But here you have Paul saying, I need y'all to pray for me. Okay, if the apostle Paul did it, I think we can do it too. We have a prayer team that comes up after every service. They're always right down here. And you know, maybe we'll get three or four people who come down for prayer, and that's great. I'm glad that three or four people come down for prayer. I've... I've there's probably more of you with stuff going on in your life where it'd be good to have people praying for you. We'd love to be that for you. We had a lady come down after um, first service. She said she has no more family. They're all gone, recently moved, has no family, and we just said we would love to be your family. We'd love to pray with you, partner with you, help you find your people. 
So if you've got stuff going on in your life, let me plug our prayer team real quick. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Uh, my hope this morning is that the lines would get a little long and we might have to step in and pray for one another because we're being honest and open and vulnerable with the things that are going on in our lives. That's just a little aside. Now we'll go back to verse 30. Verse 30, the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, I appeal to you, brothers. And this isn't just him saying like, hey, could you add me to your prayer list? Could you add me to the prayer chain? An appeal is like, please, I need you to pray for me. Will you please be praying for me, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf? Strive, pray without ceasing. Every time you pray, would you please remember me? I need the Lord to show up. I need the Lord to work in my life. Pray for what? His prayer request is threefold. First thing, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Remember, that's where he's going next. Right? He used to play for the persecutors. Now he, prays, he plays for the priests. He's had a total team change. Okay, I used to be a persecutor of the church, but now that I'm a priest, those persecutors, they really don't like me anymore. So he says, as I go back, knowing there's people there who would rather have me dead, to pray for my safety, that I'd be delivered from those who don't believe in Judea. And also that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. See, the persecutors don't like him. Some of those priests, the saints back there, they don't like him either. Because he uh, probably assisted in like dragging off some of their uh, relatives, their loved ones. He was a persecutor of the way. He breathed murderous threats to the church. See, the, the persecutors don't like him because he used to be one. The priests don't like him because he used to be a persecutor. This is a hard thing he's going back into and he's asking that this church in Rome would pray for him. And thirdly, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. His third prayer is if it's the Lord's will that he would show up to them. He doesn't want Paul's will. He wants the Lord's will. He doesn't want Paul's way. He wants the Lord's way. If it be the will of God that he would show up there and he'd show up there safely. Does that feel like a lot? It is a lot. He's got a lot to say. It's a long goodbye because he loves these people. But as I told you, I want to uh, trace two common threads that we see throughout this entire passage. And from those two threads, I want us to make application to our life. The first thread is this. Ministry success is always the work of God. Ministry success is always the work of God. We see that three ways in this passage. First, let me define success. Success for the church is not big budgets. Success for the church is not multiple buildings. Uh, and the success of the church is not many, many bodies filling the services in the seats. That is not success. Success is God changing people's lives. That is what successful ministry looks like, like the Lord changing the lives of people, people finding Jesus and people following Jesus, people growing in their faith, people being able to instruct one another, being full of goodness and being full of knowledge. That's what success looks like. And guess who's responsible for it? Only God. Only God. See, we can tell a little joke from up here and make you laugh. I can't change your life. We could try to set up the best groups ministry we possibly can, but guess what? That can't change your life. We had a wonderful uh, evening of prayer and worship a couple weeks ago, but guess what? Just having a gathering won't change your life. Playing the right songs won't change your life. Jesus changes lives. The power of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he changes our life. 
If something is successful, it's because God showed up and he did something amazing. There's three parts in this passage where we see it. We see Paul ministering by the, the power of God. He says, if I boast, I'm only boasting in what Christ has done through me. He's not claiming success for any of the things. He's giving glory and the success where it's due, and that's to the Lord. He says, if I show up to you in verse 29, it's only because of the blessing of the Lord. If I'm able to get to you and minister and hang out with you, it's only because God's got me there. He asks for prayer to continue on by the power of God. If it's God's will for him to show up to Rome, for him to show up to Spain, for him to be delivered from the hands of the unbelievers in Jerusalem, he says it's only God's work. If it's successful, it's because God showed up. We're not called to try to be the fruitful ones. We're called to be faithful. Paul was a man on a mission, so he was faithful to his mission. We are men and women called on mission by the Lord. Our job is to be faithful to the mission of the Lord. Uh, A friend and I were having lunch, this is years and years ago. He had all these really neat ministry opportunities coming up, uh, and we we started saying this three-word phrase to each other, ride the wave, ride the wave. Now, I'm not a surfer. You could look at me and be like, they don't make a surfboard big enough for you, dude. Like, you don't, I tried it once, wrecked my back on coral, never want to do it again. Uh, but I think I understand how it works. The, the power from surfing does not come from the surfer. The power comes from the wave. The power comes from something else. See, the surfer can't do what he's supposed to do unless the power actually shows up and moves him forward. This is the way the gospel works. God calls us to be faithful. Just be faithful. Walk with him, follow him, know him, love him, care for people around you. When God brings waves, opportunities for us to, to care for people, help them find and follow Jesus, We paddle in, try to get up, and we just be faithful. We just ride the wave. We are faithful. He is fruitful. We are faithful. He is fruitful. That's how this whole thing works. 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6, the apostle Paul talking about this um, in the church in Corinth. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This is what we do, by the way, right? Did you catch the most recent sermon from so-and-so? He's my favorite. Oh man, they're, oh man, you're my favorite. We, me and Bob and Jeff love when this happens because we'll be standing next to each other and someone will, someone will come in and, and be like, oh, Pastor Jeff, you, you are my favorite. And, and Jeff will just be like, oh man, they're my favorite. And that's what we all do. We're like, it's just, it's hilarious. Are we not being merely human? I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And he says this, what then is Apollos? Apollos was the greatest teacher of his time. The greatest teacher of his time. And Paul's like, who's Apollos? What then is Paul? He's the greatest missionary of all time. What's Paul? He says, they're just servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. If someone came to Christ through the ministry of Apollos, it's because God showed up and did something amazing. If someone comes to Christ through the ministry of Paul, it's because God showed up and did something amazing. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. If ministry is successful, friends, we give credit to where credit's due, it's because God showed up. Because God did something through our life. John 15, five, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the vine, y'all are just the branches. He's the vine. He's the one where life comes from. He's the vine. We are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to try to have a fruitful ministry apart from Christ? You can't. 
You can't. Because fruitfulness doesn't come from us. Fruitfulness comes from Jesus. Fruitfulness comes from Christ. Our job is to abide in the vine, to be faithful. And when we are faithful to Christ, when we walk with Christ, he shows up in our life and he's fruitful. Ministry success is always the work of God and we always give the credit where credit is due. As I call the band out, I wanna close with that final thread. The final thread we see throughout the passage and that's this, the great commission is to be supported by all believers. The great commission is to be supported by all believers. This too, we see three ways throughout the text. We see Paul supporting the great commission through the preaching of the word, through the spreading of the gospel. We see supporting the great commission through supporting it financially. He talked about the church in Macedonia, the church in Achaia, also the church in Rome. Financially funding and supporting the work, the mission of God. Thirdly, we support the Great Commission by simply praying for those who are living it out. We pray for one another. And we, we pray a lot for each other's safety. We pray a lot for each other's health. We pray a lot for each other's um, work conditions. We pray for all sorts of those things. I don't know if we spend enough time praying that we'd be bold in our faith, that we would seriously carry out the Great Commission of Christ, that we would have eyes that look to find people who need to fund Jesus and help those people follow Jesus. We need to pray for ourselves that God would give us opportunities for us to be faithful with and that through our faith that he'd be fruitful and that when that happens, we can celebrate and rejoice in the work that the Lord has done. I wanna read Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20 once more just so that can soak in a little bit more into our life. It's the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help people find and follow Jesus. Intentionally multiply Christ-like followers through a relationship we have with them. That we baptize them. That's a change in identity. It's someone realizing my life is no longer my own. My life belongs to the Lord. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. In the same way that Christ went down into the grave and then rose up again, we go down into the water and we come up from the water and walk in newness of life claiming that we now belong to the Lord. It's a change in who we are. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. We teach them to obey, to follow the Lord. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Elsewhere, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't listen? In Luke, he says, blessing comes from obedience. There's a blessing we can receive in life when we are obedient to him, not just as acts of works, 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 but because of the work that he has done for us, we place our faith, our trust in Christ, and through that, we are his workmanship. We do good things for his glory. We walk in obedience. And then he says this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's so many things we could talk about when it comes to the Great Commission. Just a a couple short verses prior, it says, all the disciples gathered to the top of the mountaintop to praise him. And then it says, but some doubted. But some doubted. Some didn't have it all together. Some didn't feel like they were able to instruct Some didn't feel ready. Some looked at the apostle John and they were like, but I'm not like John. Not like James. I'm not like Peter. I'm not like those guys. I don't know if I can really do. They doubt. They doubt him. They doubt themselves. 
What Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't say, shame on y'all for doubting. You know what he says? Addresses both crowds and says, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go help people find me. Go help people follow me. Plug into a relationship that intentionally multiplies a Christ-like follower. And I know that can sound terrifying. That's why Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You're not alone. Also, it's not up to you. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Pray that God would provide opportunities in our life this week. Some waves, if you will. Opportunities to paddle in, be faithful, and see what the Lord might do. The Apostle Paul was a man on a mission. So too, God has called us to be men and women on mission. We don't need to go on a mission trip per se. Our entire life is a missions trip. Would we embrace it? Would we embrace that great commission? Not for our glory, not for our honor, not for our gain, not for our praise, not for affirmation, not for anything. Only because Christ is worth it. And when we see him show up and do amazing things, would we praise him for what he's done? Amen? Let's pray. God, that's our prayer this week, that you would give us opportunities to be faithful. God, we know this morning we can't change lives, we can't change hearts. You can. You can. And God, if it's your will, then you can. So we ask uh, that you would help us get on board with your will, help us get on board with your way, God, that we would be faithful with the opportunities you provide in our life this week to be faithful to the great commission you have sent us out on, a commission to go and make disciples, a commission to help people find you, to help people follow you. And God, when you transform lives around us, when you transform our own life, would we give glory to one person and one person alone, and that's you. God, we thank you today for for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the good news, the gospel, through which we can come to a right relationship with you. God, let that be the motivator for us this week. Because we've been saved by your works, we go out and do good works and honor and glory and praise of you. God, we respond now in a time of worship. We love you. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. We give you all praise. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we worship our king? John chapter three, verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he what? Yeah, he gave, he sent. He sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Friends, I'm not sure where you're at in your faith this morning. Maybe you're you're feeling far from God. Let me tell you this. God is not far from you. Maybe this morning you're feeling like, man, if God only knew everything that I'd ever done with my life, he'd never have me. Let me encourage you. God knows everything. He wants you. He wants you. He loves you. He cares for you. He came and lived a perfect life that we can't live to be a sacrifice that we should have paid for ourselves, but we didn't. He died so we wouldn't have to. He rose from the dead. The Bible says if we place our faith and trust in Christ because of who he is and what he's done, then we could have newness of life in him. We confess with our mouth, he's our Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. Maybe you're, this morning you're feeling things you haven't felt before. Maybe you're feeling conviction for your life. 
Maybe you're feeling conviction in your heart, the, the sin in your life. Maybe this morning you're even realizing you're far from God. Let me tell you, that, that's God working in your heart, working in your life right now. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God cutting you deep, drawing you to himself. You'd find him. That you'd come to relationship with him. That's you this morning. Let me encourage you to come down forward after service. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help you follow Jesus. We'd love to help you take a next step, get involved in, in community here in the church so you can find your people who will pray for you, who will, who will care for you, who will be your people in your corner for your life forever. We'd love to pray with you. Our prayer team is down front. Uh, as I said before, if you need prayer for anything, come forward. All of us need prayer for something. Let's not this morning feel like, man, you know, people are going to know I'm not okay. Let me tell you this. It's okay to not be okay. Welcome to the club. Maybe this morning you're feeling like, if I go forward, people are going to know I don't have it all together. Welcome to that club too. We don't have all the answers, but we know Jesus, and we love to point, him, point you towards Christ this morning with our prayer team. For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God the Father so loved the world that he sent the Son. Guess what? The Son so loved the world that he sent his people. That we would go out, that we'd embrace the great commission to go and make disciples of all the world, that we'd baptize them, that we'd teach them what it means to follow Christ. Would we be faithful with that commission this week? As we leave the church, would we have eyes like that first grade boy that has eyes for the lost, that sees them in our life. And friends, we don't need all the answers. You don't need everything. We just gotta be faithful. Would you trust the Lord this week with those opportunities? And when you see God change your life and the life around you, where do we give credit? Where do we boast? Where do we brag? We boast in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen? We love you guys. Love each other. Be faithful this week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.